Hey listener, this is Out of Beta. My name is Peter Soom and my co-host is Matt Wensing. Matt is the founder of Summit and I'm the founder of Reform and on this podcast you get to follow along on our startup journeys. If you're a new listener, don't forget to check out our website on autobeta.fm to find our entire back catalog. Hey Matt. Hi, Pe- <laughs> Hi Peter. <laughs> I had to unzip my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> How, how's it going? Fantastic. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I got all my bad stuff out at our pre, pre-show. pre <laughs> Yeah. It's like, yeah, detoxing. And uh, I was actually just looking up our sponsors, Recast Studio, because they offered our listeners to do these free clips. And a bunch of people took them up on their offer. And then one of the comments said, was uh, David from Eduflow, and I said, I just signed up for a paid account, looking forward to testing this out. And uh, it made me feel good. We provided some value to our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, we're being that being that clue. Yeah, so maybe I'll just finish the sponsor slot and say that if other people with a podcast or any form of like long form video want to check out Recast Studio, they should because they do these little clips and they, the way it works is they have this software. You basically just like give it a podcast episode or whatever it is. It transcribes it and you just select the text that you want to include in the little clip for social media. And it generates a little video with you talking and like the subtitles or the written version of what you said below. So even when audio is not on by default on social media, people can still read all the smart things you said on your podcast. And I've tweeted a few of the ones we did, so you can see those on the Out of Beta Twitter account. And I think more people than they originally offered to do the clips said they wanted some free clips, but basically they offered to do a couple of free clips so you don't really have to sign up or do anything to see how it works. You can just like comment on the tweet that's pinned to the Out of Beta Twitter account and they'll do a couple free clips for your podcast so you can see how it looks and post them on your own social media. So people should do that and check out Recast Studio. And uh, thanks for sponsoring. It's always nice to like see that sponsors are getting something out of it, especially when sometimes you're sponsoring stuff yourself. It, it works. That's yeah, it does work. We don't know how. We don't know when or why <laughs> or how often, but it works. Yeah. So um, you had a good tweet, man. You had some good AI takes overall. You just posted mm-hmm. it was a good one. It was a, a comment on Notion adding AI functionality. Yeah, did you get that email? Uh, I don't know if I got the email, but I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, just showed up in my inbox. Yeah, and it sort of proved the thing that I've been thinking for the last couple months. And it's not original to me whatsoever, but I just said it out loud, which was, aren't people just going to add this text generation stuff to all the tools where people already write content? And there's no need to have separate products. Like, separate products then have to compete on some other dimension. Like it's not going to be a differentiated feature to have AI text generation. You're going to have to be a better word processor too. And that seems unlikely. Wait, so are you saying calling an API endpoint is not enough to have an entire product? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Unless you're Google and it's your own API endpoint and it's searching the entire internet, then then no, it's not. I think it's hilarious when people have built like avatar <laughs> generators and then get mad yeah. that other people are copying their stuff and it's like no like <laughs> you didn't invent ai to like like 
come up with a like fake photo of me like you did you didn't come up with that technology you know if it only takes you a weekend or a week to build one of these generative ai tools and or maybe it takes you a month i don't see how it's not going to be done by someone else and i also know that adoption is the hard part so this to me also also reminds me of even something like slack gets turned into the feature of office 365 eventually where it's just teams chat i don't see how text generation or anything generative that's just calling an endpoint doesn't just get built into photoshop or docs or whatever the application is that people are to use every day yeah i saw peel levels like tweet about how he like trademarked it and stuff like his his name or something for the, the avatar thing that's fine but it's like probably not your biggest concern for this thing you know the thing that he's really good at though is like realizing that like if i build something that'll like generate pictures of people people love seeing pictures of themselves and a lot of people will pay me 40 dollars to like get a bunch of cool pictures of themselves and that's a smart insight for like you know b2c kind of stuff to make people look better or cooler and they can't stop paying you $40 all the time. Like I saw several people tweet about doing this multiple times and they make it sound like it's like a science experiment, you know? Yeah. Do you just want to see yeah. more pictures of yourself looking cooler, which is fine, but it's just, and it's a good insight. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't use it for a passport photo. Yeah. That seems like a bad idea. Probably don't do that. Don't deep fake yourself. Deep faking yourself is just not an adult thing to do. And the government won't find that to be humorous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know our government would not find that to be funny. If you were like, oh, that was, yeah. I generated that. Yeah, it's not going to work. Nope. Anyways, you want to talk about startup stuff? Yeah, I'm kind of easing into it one, one step at a time. Well, I have something funny. So maybe that's a segue. I like that. Lighthearted. For Reform, we have this, um, we used something called Checkly, which is a cool service that I'm happy to plug, where you can basically script browser interactions. So you can automate a bunch of like testing. And for us, like one of the most important things for Reform is that forms are always online. If Reform goes down and forms are no longer online, we've failed. The only thing we, you know, like if mm -hmm. our dashboard is down for half an hour so people can't check responses or they can't publish new forms, that's that sucks but mm -hmm. you know that's not gonna it's not like gonna hurt their business you know mission critical right but it, it, if forms are down for half an hour it might be like customers they're not getting or yeah, like that's just really bad so we have these automated tests basically they run like every minute just like filling out forms different types nice. of forms and some of them are embedded on websites that we've set up just as like test sites and so basically you try to cover all bases. Some of them, have, like one of them is like a form, but just like all the fields that are in reform. So generally we know really quickly if something breaks and it's really nice to have this set up. But the thing is like the only way we can truly know that forms are working is by submitting an actual form and, you know, it landing in the database. As soon as you're like kind of like abstracted into a more of a test environment or like do something different from the like real life production one, it's mm -hmm. no longer actually testing the thing we want to test in this case, because it might work if you don't save it to the database, say if there's something wrong with the database. Yeah. We, we, we want to see like the full uh, thing working. 
Mm-hmm. So that happens all the time, and we've just never really like cleaned it up again. Uh, we've just kind of been like, yeah, we'll worry about that later. But basically, we had like four million rows in our database or something like that, maybe more. Like, th- I think it was like three and a half million answers to form submissions that were just like from those test forms. They're starting to take up a lot of space <laughs> in our database, <laughs> like noticeably. We've known for a while that we wanted to delete them, but it's like there's not like a delete button to just delete like five million rows in a database. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful about that. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, Bjorn wrote like a little command or job that could do this. And we wanted to test it manually first because we were on DigitalOcean and it takes kind of a long time to like deploy stuff. So like we don't want to like start something automatically and then it just starts nuking things it shouldn't nuke and then we can't stop it again. So we're like, okay, let's just delete a thousand and see what happens. And these have like, you know, cascading relationships to other. Oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we try with a thousand and it's like, it was faster than we could like register. Like, okay, let's do 2000. And then it's like, okay, that was like a second or two. Let's try 5000. Okay, that was like, it, it, you could tell that it's like an N plus th- thing where it's like, okay, it wasn't just three seconds. It was like maybe like five or six seconds. And then, <laughs> Like, let's try 10,000. And then that was like maybe it was a little slower. And then we looked at, at kind of like the database metrics and they kind of like the peaked out. Spiked a little bit. So yeah. Like, ooh, that's a little dangerous. Like, let's, let's <laughs> let it cool down. And then we're going to try 10,000 one more time. And it, it was a little faster. And basically, we almost couldn't tell it from like on the CPU. So like, oh, maybe it's like got like the right indexes now or something. Or it's like. For some reason, it's like easier for it now. Let's try 20,000. 20,000, yeah. <laughs> and then like, because we have all these like automated tests and stuff that's that's going on all the time. So it's like Bjorn like starts the command and like just immediately we just start getting emails of like stuff is not working. Oh, so it's like no. a good test that all our like monitoring is working because instantly we just started getting emails. And I tried loading like a reform and it just like didn't work. So like for like 30 seconds or something like that. And then the query timed out or something and, and it, it worked again. But uh, yeah, so we found the limit <laughs> to this. And I don't know, it was like stupid, but at the same time, it just felt like it felt good to like, just kind of like know where the limit was in a sense and, <laughs> and see that, like, I mean, it was a test as well. And we kind of saw that like nothing unintentional happened by that really like except we had like 30 seconds of downtown downtime which is you know unfortunate but mm-hmm. probably not like a huge deal and yeah so now we have a script that's just deleting like 2000 rows like at a time every minute or so and then we just do it like with a delay between how so i think actually we we deployed it in a way that it's like slower than it is to deploy to the digital ocean so if we realize something is wrong there's not going to be another like tick basically before we can stop it. Cool. Because on DigitalOcean app platform, you can't just like log in and like immediately stop it. You have to like redeploy your whole like infrastructure basically. Got it. Which could easily take like eight to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like the kind of thing that you, 
you've brought this thing to life now and you just want to make sure that it stays on the rails and doesn't doesn't start doing something crazy we try like not to delete stuff too often so but at the same time it's like we need to know that we can delete stuff but it was just like a fun team building exercise i guess (laughs) yeah play around with the database a little bit now we're working through the millions of rows yeah gobble those up and then make sure when it's done with those it doesn't keep going like pac-man or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh i need some more stuff to chew on (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) we didn't put a constraint on it that we should have and now it's deleting yeah yeah no i mean we just we didn't just like start from one end i'm pretty sure it's well thank goodness you didn't do the 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 amateur thing of just let's just delete all five million in one command <laughs> yeah that might have taken a little bit of time i kept saying like i kind of want to know what happens if we do clone your whole setup just to be able to do that to yourself yeah anyways this is kind of like a random thing we have to deal with that's like not really like customer facing i guess not at all well for 30 seconds it was but besides that not i have a more like meaty thing that i can go into but mm-hmm. if, if you have something you want to talk about maybe it's better to talk about that first because this could like drag out a bit yeah i'll update the audience on some stuff that i think they'll find interesting so we have we've reversed a couple experiments lately i would say reverse them we we concluded a couple we looked at the results we decided we didn't like the results and we we ended the experiment so one of those was putting all of our calculators on the homepage of the site we stopped doing that because fewer people were signing up and trying the tool which was i would say that was like a metric that we n- knew was likely to happen, but we were okay with, but it didn't have the metric we were going for, which was some people were grabbing them and going and using them, but not nearly the number we were hoping for. So we said, right. okay, let's reemphasize, let's reemphasize the low code building part. We understand it has a learning curve and we demoted the free calculators to a free calculators kind of mini site, if you will, that's linked Ooh. to from the homepage. And so for SEO juice and all of that, which I think Google is really enjoying, I think it's tasty search engine fodder. It's still there and it can still grow. And I'm still building little things that go into it. Like I released a SaaS cash flow break even forecasting tool this week. So I'm still adding to it, but it's really for SEO purposes and for people just to get a taste of what we do. And it's not the homepage of the site anymore. So, so we undid that one. Is that the stuff that's under templates right now? No, actually, that's the stuff that if you go to the bottom on the footer, there's a link that says free calculators. Oh. So the free calculators that we have there for a while were the homepage. We were just putting all the calculators on the homepage, essentially trying to see if we could increase. So we put that under discover now, and it's kind of a neat little gallery of like finished calculators that are standalone. And Mm -hmm. again, good SEO juice, but... We want to focus on getting more people to build again, and it didn't have the effect we wanted it to have. So undo, lessons learned. And the other thing we're doing is we're going to update our pricing. So we are going to remove the usage-based component to the pricing. We'll go back to, we're, we're adding some features, which will come later, but we are going to essentially have unlimited usage is included in the paid tier. So the base paid tier Ooh. is base paid tier is unlimited usage. 
as opposed to charging for usage. I think we learn that at the high end, you end up kind of discussing and negotiating that anyway. And at the low end, it just adds a lot of friction because people are trying to predict how much usage it's going to get and they don't know. And it just adds a lot of mental, a lot of back and forth and some mental anxiety in the buyer where it maybe yeah. prevents them from buying. So we're also removing the usage part, which wasn't really an experiment. We felt pretty good about that. We just realized it's, it's wrong. So we're going to adapt the pricing model. We had a team meeting. We did some reflection, asked ourselves, okay, we made this change about a month ago. What are we seeing? And the data and the gut aligned and said, yeah, these changes aren't doing what we wanted to. So let's roll that back. And we're happy with that. So here we go. And we're working on some other things right now, some kind of higher touch opportunities with some clients that want to essentially have us do the implementation. So we're actually Ooh. doing the implementation work for a couple of folks and that's cool and somebody did reach out actually after the last podcast episode and raise their hand and said hey we'd like for you guys to help us out with our like could you build an roi calculator into our website so there's a startup that we're doing that for which is really fun nice and yeah which is great it's kind of getting our getting us over the adoption hurdles building up a gallery of hey here's the cool things you can do with summit and that one was kind of on one end, if you will, in terms of it's a startup, they're pretty early. On the other end, we're working with some much larger companies to build out kind of little micro sites or mini pages, apps for them. And that's not live yet. It will be hopefully later this quarter and pretty stoked about that. So are these like onboarding projects, like do things that don't scale projects or are they consulting projects? Uh, that's a good distinction. If you can say. Yeah, I can say. These are, we'll go ahead and use the tool for you. I would say this is almost like them turning to us and treating us like we are, be like if web, you know, if there weren't Webflow agencies and you kind of had to go to Webflow itself and say, we want a new marketing site. Can you build it in Webflow? And Webflow was early enough where they said, yeah, sure, we'll do that because we want people to have sites built in Webflow and we understand that right, right now, kind of the only experts in our tool. So we'll go ahead and do the work for you. And, you know, we want to get the snowball rolling here, obviously where there's external folks who know how to do that too. But we kind of realized chicken and egg, unless we build out some examples, it's going to be hard to inspire agencies or others to learn the tool well enough to build things. So we want to show the world what you can build in Summit so that others can run with those examples and say, oh yeah, you know, we can build that in this. So that's what we're doing. And we aren't treating it really like professional services in that sense. We're just treating it like, okay, this customer is going to potentially pay us a nice a subscription. Let's go ahead and do the, do the hard work, which is they don't even really understand what's possible yet. And actually one call that was really fun is we had a call, we talked about what they might want to do. They said, go ahead and why don't you build a couple of like high fidelity mock-ups? Well, Summit's kind of so quick that we built some kind of interactive prototypes, if you will, <laughs> and they just loved it. They were like, this is incredible. And pretty sure we're going to go live with them with something this quarter. They're really surprised at the speed because they know that to build that in JavaScript or any other language, frank frankly, front-end tool or back-end would have taken them weeks, no exaggeration, and we did it in a couple days. So that was really... Really cool. 
So yeah, that's what we're doing. And we're going to basically figure out what our kind of our enterprise pricing tier or model is based on these conversations. And I say enterprise just because it's custom work, custom deals. Actually, I'll put it that way, custom deals. So we're figuring out what our pricing model should be for these more advanced implementations. And that's fun. It's, it's good. It, it feels good to be being pulled by the market. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as long as people want to talk to you about the stuff you're doing, there's hope, right? <laughs> it's like... Yeah. 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 And I've learned that the we'll do the part for you, which is figuring out how to implement our stuff, obviously opens doors. <laughs> and frankly, it maybe adds a couple days to our develop, uh, you know, it maybe takes us a couple days to do it. So it's totally worth it for the first few, at least. So when you said do, do things that don't scale, this might be something like, I already gave a Webflow example, maybe that's enough, but somebody was talking about Stripe in the early days. You know, if the Stripe founding team came to your startup offices and just did the integration for you from your pricing page to subscribing mm-hmm. using Stripe, it's like, obviously we want others to do this eventually, but <laughs> for our first 20 customers or whatever, let's for at this level, let's go ahead and just do it for them. And a lot of this code is not it's not our code it's your code but we want you to integrate with us so let's just get the darn thing written yeah that makes sense you talking about you know reverting back some of those like bets or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call them it's like kind of like good segue into some of the stuff i wanted to talk about have you read daniel zarek's working in bets blog post about how they work at errors yes i read that that's about like maybe six months plus ago Sort of like their adaptation of Shape Up. Yes. Okay. I read that. Where it's, it's it's a cool way they do it. Like they make a bet for two weeks, and then they also like define what are we going to do if this works, and what are we going to do if it doesn't work. Oh, that's cool. And the reason why that is really cool is because while you're working and you can kind of see like oh, I'm not sure this is going to work. Like, you know, you still have a plan for like what you're going to do afterwards, which just kind of like helps your motivation, I guess. Yeah. So basically, like the thing I wanted to talk to you about is like Bjorn and I are like kind of like trying to figure out like the new positioning for reform and kind of like our focus. And it's a lot of work, especially like thinking work and writing notes and stuff. But we're also simultaneously like we're also trying to like put that into actual like work, like okay, this is something we want to like explore, but like, what's the like action item here, you know? And so I was reading the Working in Bets blog post, really enjoyed it. I mean, it's very similar to to Shape Up. It's They mentioned Shape Up as well there. But even just like, it's also similar to like OKRs because like there's no like good framework for these things where you don't have to like define what success looked like because... Otherwise, it's like not very helpful because you don't really know if you've achieved what you're trying to achieve or not. And kind of like the thing we're struggling with right now is like it's a lot of big things and like figuring out really big things. So it's hard to like put that into a two week bet or even like it's just hard to like be like very concrete about some of these things. But yeah, I can talk a little bit about what it is basically. But and obviously I've talked to you and Derek about it, too. Yeah. Are you reading the blog post now? I, I brought it up because I wanted to clarify. I I listened to their podcast when they used to do it. Yeah, I miss that. 
which I also definitely miss. And they talked about this on one of the episodes, but I didn't read the article. I just heard them talking about it. So yeah, this is great. Go ahead though. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of the hardest thing for reform, like since we started building it is I've never really been able to say who it's for. And I've kind of just like, my crutch has just been like, but it's sort of like, it's a form builder. Like it's not really for anyone. It's like who's Google docs for, you know, but Mm -hmm. At the same time, I knew that that was like wrong and not good enough. <laughs> and it's just like a lot of like hard work to like figure out who it's actually for. And obviously we have a lot more data now with like 200 paying customers and I don't know, like 4,000 people have signed up over the the time we've worked on it. And so we, we know a lot more about the market and everything. And when I've tried to like kind of like pin down who our users are, it's been really difficult for me because they're pretty much like all over the map. A big part of our customers are like people that follow me on Twitter, listen to this podcast, or like know someone who follows me on Twitter or listens to this podcast. Like they're kind of like in our circles, you know, at least like one or two levels out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and that's also the group that I kind of like serving because it's kind of like group I'm in myself and I, I kind of understand what they like and what they want. But it's still been difficult for me to like categorize them as like a group and some of them are agencies. But then when I actually look into it, it's more like productized agencies or like at least like very like product oriented in a sense, or they're Mm -hmm. like SaaS companies. Like I didn't want to say like reform is for SaaS companies because what about all the agencies that use us? Like we have a lot of customers that use reform for intake and intake is a great use case because it's recurring. You don't just do like, you know, we do like we send out two intake forms every year. It's like your agency's probably not doing very well, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of realized the other day when I was going for a long walk in the forest, I just kind of realized that when I think about these people, like they're basically all the same. Like I told Bjorn this as well. Like you know, even though we work with SaaS, like we've all like worked at agencies or had like a small agencies or at least we were like freelancers, and all the agencies we know. Like in our circles, they want to have a product, like they want to have a SaaS or they or they already have like one at the same time they run an agency or they have like a productized service. Like it's it's not like the people that are running SaaS companies and these types of agencies that I'm talking about are different people, like they're all the same people and they kind of mm-hmm. like to use the same tools and go to the same conferences and they listen to the same podcasts and all this stuff. So... I was kind of thinking about this and it's like when I really think about this group, like the only really good word I could use or I could think of was like internet businesses. And the reason I thought of it was like, I've heard Tiny, Andrew Wilkinson's company, talk about mm. like how they invest in wonderful internet businesses. And they've, they've removed the internet part now because I don't know, he has like a bakery and whatever. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I'm still not sure about like what to call them. But for now, like Bjorn and I have like settled on internet businesses. And for now, it's like good enough that we know what it means, if that makes sense. Like the only other like word I could think of was like indie, but I don't think that's a good word. How do you think about the word small? Yeah, I mean, we kind of like in parentheses, we put like small B2B in front of internet business. Okay. But the important thing to us is like, we're not really like interested in like serving like a yoga studio or like a local business. We're interested in serving companies that have like digital products basically, or like kind of like, are like very like online based. Mm. 
mm. and B2B. Okay. Because that's the kind of customers we're already doing really well with. It's been really awesome. Like in the past week, there's there's been a few of the like, hey, anyone know like a Typeform alternative or whatever? And the one time, like before I even saw the tweet and retweeted it, there's like six people in already mentioning Reform. I love that. I saw that. It's so cool. It was extremely heartwarming. Like <laughs> seriously, like completely made my day. And yeah, there was another one of those basically smaller scale that happened as well. And it's just really awesome. And, and, and when I look at these people, it's like, yeah, these are the people that are like following me and like raving about Reform. And there's like plenty of these people to make reform a big enough business to support Bjorn and I, which is like when we have time to like make the next move basically. But like, I feel like with just focusing on that group of people, like which we've been doing indirectly in a sense, but by focusing on that group of people, I think we can build a business and a product that we're excited about and that can get us like far enough at this point and the, and the cool thing basically is like when we started, like as soon as we kind of like said, yeah, this is actually like, this is a good group to just like say that, like, even though we've indirectly cared about this group a lot and like been biased towards what they need, we haven't like expli- been explicit about it, but by being yep. explicit about it, like the juices just started flowing, right? <laughs> and, yeah. And you you were part of this brainstorm as well. And like, there's just a lot of things that just like came out as like, obviously, like, that's what we would build if we only cared about these people. And like a really big thing, and I don't want to give it all away uh, on this episode right now, but like a really big insight was that like these, these types of customers, they have a ongoing, the frequency might vary, like maybe Derek sends out like 10 forms a year or eight or something, but some people send out like like three forms every week, you know? So the frequency might vary, but they have like recurring needs to like communicate with their users, clients, customers via forms to like collect data from them or gather insights or just like qualitative data. And I think the key thing that a lot of form builders is missing is basically that important relationship that's like ongoing. And a lot of form builders are like very just like transactional. Like here's like, input fields that you can like send to someone so they can give you some information. And then it's like, okay, done, filed. (laughs) Next time you come back, it's like clean slate, create a new form, send it to someone. Or they're like type form where it's like, we're a conversational form. And it's like in some ways better and in some ways worse, but it's still not like acknowledging that part that I'm talking about. So that's something like we're exploring right now. That's like, exciting also just like the way people use reform is like narrowed down by this so it's like more obvious like what like specific features we should build or like embed options or customization options i want to drill into like why that is for a second because what you said is all of a sudden all these things like why is that and the transactional experience with building a form and sending it out is the only thing that you can be sure of if you don't know who your target audience is because different audiences have different reasons to use and build forms and send them out. So you can't go any farther than that. It's like, you have to just build this, like you said, the workflow has this A, 
things you you know build the form send the form collect the results done and like there's this terminal aspect to it where that's it by going one step further and deciding this is our customer now you can look across usage of forms and across forms that they built and say do they ever want to use them again do they send out other forms do the same people fill out two forms do people ever ignore a form and they need to send it to them again? Like you can start to actually... Does it matter that the same person filled out a form? Do you even acknowledge that it was a person that filled it out, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or did something just give you data? Because like if you're a product-led company, like this is like how you know stuff about how you what you should do in your business. Like you look at these like user journeys, basically. Correct. And part of that is like forms that they filled out, you know? Yeah, and, but you can only talk about that because, and hopefully this is helpful for others, like you've, you're now holding this customer constant and saying, let's assume for a second that is our user. It's not the soccer coach who just needs a form for this tournament that's this weekend, and once they fill it out, he's done, she's done. You're like, this person has an ongoing relationship with this group of customers of theirs. Each of those customers is sort of durable. They're gonna be around for a while. And what you're essentially doing in your mind is now you can build on all these other assumptions that you couldn't make before. And that's that those assumptions yeah. are now fertile ground for you to build other ideas. You're like, oh, well, if that's all true and I can count on that being true, then of course it'd be better if dot, 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 right? Yeah, and it's not like, it's not because I have like a persona because I don't think we need to have like a persona necessarily is more just like one of the key insights for me is like, it's not just about like the exact shape of their business. It's also about like who they are. And, and one thing I kind of realize is like a lot of our customers are founders and if they're not founders, it's like a small company where the founder has basically outsourced part of their work to other people. It's not like, a big organization that has like a marketing department somewhere and like someone in there is it's more like we're using this tool because that's just like what we're using in this company like if we send out a marketing survey oh we have a lead intake form like it might even be the same person it might not be the founder but it might be like someone who works with marketing or sales and marketing or or mm -hmm. marketing and customer success you know like it doesn't make sense for them to have like different tools for all these different areas of the business because it's like a small company where it's all sort of like mixed together and and what i realized is like i looked at some of the example customers we have in the different categories like SaaS, like and i looked at like some of the SaaS companies we have and the productized services and and other, and other categories like online communities but like b2b communities like and and some of the people we have there is like Corey haynes for example with swipe files but he also has a SaaS swipe well and he also uses reform for that or like brennan dunn uses it for his like communities but he also has like a SaaS, you know and there's just like so much overlap <laughs> and it's just like this type of people that does business on the internet in this way with like all these other tools that we know you know and and the cool thing about it is like i could make a list of 50 podcasts <laughs> that i could be a guest on with like people that kind of fit into this whole thing uh mm -hmm. listen to right that's hard if you're if you're Google Forms, like what podcast do they go on to promote Google Forms? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think this is a big unlock for you, potentially, in terms of being able to 
also differentiate like you're going deeper and that yep. means if you understand this guy you can be the right fit or the better fit for all of these people if you build things that appeal to them that maybe others wouldn't appreciate so, yeah which but can, like so like one yeah. of the things i basically want to talk to you about is like so right now in front of bjorn and i there's like two really big projects at least they feel really big in our heads one is like get this into text that can go on a website basically messaging and copy and design a new website <laughs> where it fits in and like basically sell this new vision and the other thing is like there's a lot of things in the product but especially there's like some big like data structure related things that is like we need to do to even support these ideas we have mm -hmm. so like what i'm struggling with is just like like how like how do you even like define like a measurable like objective for like repositioning everything and like launching a new website like how and how do you like know that it's like like do you do two week bets do you do like six week shape up do you is this like well we need a, like a quarterly like okr plan to do this and like how do we know like i just kind of like knowing that we we commit to something and then we do that and then we see how that went so i would i would do this i mean i have this problem too i'm thinking about some I'll call them enterprise sort of bets that we could make that would be pretty significant. I am thinking about the fidelity of the bet as a as a variable and hmm. saying this is where mockups and conversations and everything start to material there's an axis here of fidelity which is run this idea by 30 people. See what your hit rate is. Run a mockup by those same 30 people. See what your hit rate like you probably can do two week or two day bets before you ever have to do the two month bet of the product work to support all of that. And I think that's where some of the, yes, you can get in trouble with who you talk to and people want to give, tell you nice things and all that stuff. But I think the fidelity of the bet is what you can control. And I think that every time you get, every time you get the feedback, you're hoping it's kind of a gate. Now you can go to the next thing. So if this threshold is exceeded, the bet was successful, let's up the ante and now build something. So you would not really bother doing the big expensive part until later. And that's just a healthy practice. Anyway, you're basically making your potential customers a part of the design process, if you want to think of it that way, and just letting them influence and shape. Like basically Bjorn was saying, he said like, this feels like, like all these big things feels like a prerequisite for like even making bets about all these little things and i was like yeah but then you can kind of like keep saying that in a sense mm. I, I think if we can't formulate a two-week bet it's probably because we don't know we don't know what we want to do yes and and just like going off and like building something or working on something without like a very clear goal is probably not gonna help us very much then yeah writing things down drawing things and having conversations should give you a lot of confidence or remove a lot of confidence in the bet that's the most expensive and hard to undo which is let's do data model work you know which is uh, <laughs> you want to do right and it's expensive and best not to have to iterate on that i speak from experience having to tear down a couple or evolve it a few times 
But yeah, I think you should definitely invest in fleshing this out in a way that gets other people to, like the names you just mentioned, see if you can get them to buy into this in theory and say, that sounds awesome. I don't have anything like that. Would you buy this in theory? <laughs> if you, I mean, I, I'm already a customer, but if, if you did the things you're talking about, it would be worth upgrading. In fact, we would use it more because it, it would have more value for us than what we have right now. Like what we have right now doesn't really help us with the picture you're talking about. Like, yeah, what you're saying there is like another thing we talked about, like with some of the ideas we have is like part of the goal would be that reform would like basically inspire you to do the next form and the next form and make it really easy to like get that form to someone. Categorically, you're no longer a form builder. You would then be a tool where you build forms, but the category you're in then is more customer relationship, research, understanding. Like it's, a, it's, it's not about building form. The goal of the thing is not to build forms. It builds forms so that you can build a picture of your customers or an understanding of your audience, etc. You're now a relationship management type of tool, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little hooked on the whole like product-led term. Anyways, we got another meeting now. So uh, we should probably end this. Before we, we log off, I'll uh, thank our show notes sponsor, Debug Bear. And I talked about it last time or last week about how Debug Bear has a free website checker that you can find the link to in our show notes because they're a show notes sponsor. And I mentioned last time that it basically like that website checker will tell you like if there's something wrong with your site, like it's loading too slow, which will like cause it to rank lower in Google, basically. The cool thing it's also doing that I didn't mention last time is it'll also tell you how to fix it. So that was like the missing piece, I guess. So check out Debug Bear, check out their uh, website checker. Do it. And uh, talk to you in 30 seconds. All right, Peter. Thanks. <laughs> See you. <ya. laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye.